Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host... Elizabeth Shavey. Elizabeth, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. It's it's Monday morning. It's a Things Monday are moving. Monday morning, and the work of the church is afoot, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, today we're here to talk about the third beatitude, or the third step in becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. When Jesus says, "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." Mm, what is meek? What does it mean to be meek? I learned in the sermon yesterday that. Meekness is not weakness. Uh, um, although I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, oh, say more. Well, you know, uh, I don't think it's. I think, I think, um, I do think the way that that Bill talked about meekness and and being meek yesterday was very helpful and very good. So power under control. Power under control. I like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I also think that we as Christians have this kind of. Um, uncomfortability with weakness we as human beings have an uncomfortability with weakness uh but that's the kind of thing that we're called to be is weak when i am weak then i am strong yeah it is in my weakness that 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 you are strong that i am strong uh and so weakness is not a is not something to avoid weakness is not something to be afraid of so saying that uh meekness is not weakness is also to try to try to make well we're trying to make meekness better than than you know make it sound better so uh my opening thought is that uh it's okay to be weak in fact that's what we're called to be as disciples of jesus christ um that being said what do you think what do you is is meekness weakness no i i like that a lot um my first thought is when we are weak it's in those moments that if we um, talk to each other about it and we can sit with each other in that weakness, that's when we become stronger as a community. Yeah. Right. If I hold in that weakness and just try and like stamp it down or no, you know, or keep it to myself, it's, it's not going to be, you know, it's just going to become destructive. Whereas if I have a conversation with whether it's, you know, my significant other or a good friend or someone, you know, a pastor, whatever it is, if I, you know, if I can, if I can share that with someone, then we become stronger as a community. That's right. Um, we hear each other and we can move forward in, in strength, right? So strength comes out of that. So I agree with you 100% that weakness is not bad. Um, I think that's a great point. Um, so, And in fact, I think that it's even more so than that. I think uh, that's that's kind of what Jesus is trying to get at here. Again, if we're thinking about this in terms of... of of uh, a guide or a process to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, as well as thinking about in terms of talking about this in terms of the community and not just the individual, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, you know, the first step to becoming a disciple is that you have to be poor in self. You have to deny yourself. You have to die to self. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Then you have the period of mourning or repentance or confession. We talked about mourning last week and a lot of different ways in which we can talk about that. Now it's time, you know, now that the house has been destroyed and you kind of mourned and and sat with the pieces of that broken house, now it's time to clear it away and begin to rebuild. And you have to have this attitude of humility uh, and deny, you know, having denied yourself, you have to now uh, be in this position of weakness in order to in order to begin to build this house, this new house of yourself and the new house of the church on the right foundation. Otherwise, pride in and your own strength begins to sneak back in. And so I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at with this meekness piece. Um, 
I think that's really helpful in, especially in the house metaphor. Um, because if I, if I identify myself as weak, as meek, as humble, then I am more likely to ask God to help me build this foundation. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. I, I want God. I need, I know that I need God to help me build back up. Whereas if I believe that I am strong, yeah, I believe that I've got this, I'm under control, then, well, yeah, I'm going to build that house myself. I'm going to build it back up from the ground because of course I can do that. That's right. And I think Bill made a good point of, of, of making that clear yesterday when he was talking about the fact that it's from a position of strength that we can be meek and our, it's not strength in ourselves though. And that's the, that's the important distinction. Our strength comes from the fact that we are, uh, creations of God who have acknowledged God as our Lord and are now, um, on the path, uh, to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's an important piece. That's an important thing to keep in mind as we, as we kind of break down here, what Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are the meek. So I, I, in preparation for my Sunday school class yesterday, I kind of looked around um, for different definitions of meekness. Mm. Um, and you know, Bill's yesterday was, again, uh, uh, strength under control or power under control. Power under control. Um, the Webster's Dictionary. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> which, I was actually going to yeah, ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, good, yeah. good. Yeah. It's Take a look at what old Daniel Webster mm-hmm. has to say, or at least mm-hmm. <laughs> the people who continue his tradition. Uh, it, it talks about meekness as being, or being meek, as enduring injury with patience Ooh. and without resentment. Enduring patience, <sighs> or I'm sorry, enduring injury with patience uh, and without resentment. I kind of like that definition a lot. And I think it gets, gets at the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what Jesus himself kind of embodied, uh, in his own life. In other words, I think one of the things it means to be meek is that we are not easily offended yeah. as Christians. Uh, in fact, offense for us, um, should, should be one of the last things that we ever feel. Um, now, I don't mean being offended. I, I mean being personally offended, being being offended in the sense of something about what I think or what I believe or what I feel is being stepped on or trampled on um, or being um, dismissed or whatever, because it's not really about what I think or what I feel, mm-hmm. or what I believe. Uh, it's about something much bigger than that. And again, that comes from the fact that I have denied myself. Yeah. I have died to myself. So my opinions and my thoughts on certain matters... Um, not that they're not important, but feeling offended when somebody steps on them or rejects them is completely different. So that is super interesting, especially in the climate of, you know, the political world this week, right? We've got a lot of stuff going on and, you know, people are protesting, people are upset. Um, some people are really happy, you know, with some of the, the things that have happened this week. And so that's really interesting, right? To, to think about, you know, how we respond as Christians to something that goes, you know, a way that we like or a way that we don't like in the, you know, political sphere. Um, what does it mean to be, to respond with meekness? And I like what you're saying. Like, it's about, um, that, that emotional response that we have. And so what is the difference between, um, you know, the godly, uh, what I maybe like feeling that injustice, uh, feeling that the yes. pain of injustice yeah. in a godly sense, can we separate that from 
our own like ugh, frustration, our own yes. sorrow, our own um, feeling offended, all those feelings. I mean, that's just very difficult to do. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, that's. I mean, that's a. That's one of the one of the ways that we kind of see this play out in the real world on the ground, um, in the in the political climate. Uh, you know, I I see a lot of Christians. I uh, get offended like every single day. We have Christians who get offended. And it's one of the things that, like I, I told my Sunday school class, one of the things that lets me know that we as the church aren't doing a very good job of representing Jesus Christ and being disciples of Jesus Christ because of so much offense that we take. Um, and in the political situations that we have going on, real world situations that we have going on here in the United States, not just with Roe versus Wade, if we go ahead and drop that, but also with um, race relations and uh, many other things that are happening. Uh, the war in Ukraine. Right. So w- when you, when we as a church address these issues, and regardless of what side we're on, mm-hmm. regardless of where we are in the spectrum, we we are called as Christians to respond to those things with this meekness. Jesus felt that righteous indignation, right? I mean, right. So, we yeah. saw him turn over the table. So you know, how is that? How is that different from what I feel when you know I think that X Y Z is you know represents injustice or represents you know like yeah. what? Tell me. Like say, say more. I'm curious about that because that is very sticky to try and pull that it apart. Is, it is. It is complicated uh, and it is sticky. But, you know, when we look at Jesus, Jesus got indignant. Jesus showed uh, displayed righteous anger, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. But it was never because of his personal offense. On those occasions where Jesus showed indignation, felt indignation, or uh, even displayed righteous anger, clearing of the temple, mm-hmm. uh, a great example of that, as you pointed out, um, it was not for his sake. It was for the sake of God. It was not fired up by his own personal opinions. It was rooted in scripture. Now, that doesn't, I don't know if that really helps. So maybe this goes back to something we were kind of talking about last week. I was having a hard time getting my words out, but um, I kind of thought about it a little bit afterwards. So thinking about um, having a vision of the kingdom come based on easing someone else's suffering versus my own comfort, yeah. right? So we imagine heaven, we imagine the kingdom come is this fabulous place where I'm going to be in a mansion and whatever, whatever your vision is of heaven that I'm yeah. in ultimate comfort. So ab- abandoning that and instead, instead thinking about the kingdom come, this vision of heaven as easing the suffering of others. Um, the people that are closest to us, the least lost and the loss, whatever it is, like, um, my vision of the kingdom being based on easing your suffering. Um, so maybe that kind of ties in with that, right? If it's, it's not a vision based on my own desires and my own hopes or my own feeling of, um, righteous indignation, it's, it's based on working for the justice and the comfort and the, you know, the healing of the least the last and the lost does that yeah. track no i think so i, I think um and 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 the means by which we go about that i think are really important so yeah i mean even when jesus got upset even when he got angry uh and and acted out in that in what we call that righteous anger or righteous indignation it wasn't a lasting thing mm. uh, and that's something to keep in mind too like, anger jesus goes on to say in the sermon on the mount you know anger is one of those things you know he says, uh, you have you have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you're angry with your brother or sister, you've already murdered them in your heart. Yeah. Holding on to anger uh, is not uh, <laughs> is not being meek. Uh, holding on to anger is something that will devour you. You know, it's something that will control the way you see the world. 
Uh, and so w- being sparked with anger uh, is is good sometimes, right? Yeah. That, that's you know emotions themselves are never good or bad, but holding on to anger, yeah, you know, and instead of turning it into action, I guess maybe would be a good way to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. But whatever method you do go about um, <laughs> trying to fix the injustice or 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 whatever else it is that you're you're engaging with the world, it has to be done with this meekness that he's talking about here, which is a great deal of quietness gentleness uh, a great love. deal of love self-sacrificing um, love yes that's exactly right self-sacrificial love uh, that you do with patience right it, mm-hmm. you, you know enduring this injury with patience and without building resentment so yeah. whatever it is you're doing it can't be violent it can't be you know violence is never the answer to Jesus only he's going to say he's going to go on to say in the Sermon on the Mount you know turn the other cheek and mm-hmm. surrender the things uh, that people demand of you uh, and do not resist an evildoer. Um, but what he means by that, you know, is is that our method of action in the world is is based on the idea that we already know who wins the game here, right? right. We already know through the resurrection that uh, that God has already won, and so we don't have to refight the war, yeah, so to speak. Um, and so we have we've been given this freedom um, to to act in this in this meek kind of way. Because we know that our our true strength relies in Jesus Christ. I was listening to uh, a podcast. I think it was actually a speech by N.T. Wright this morning on the way in. I haven't quite finished it yet. But um, he was talking about the meaning of the good news. And how a lot of times we read scripture, we read Jesus's words as advice, you know, like, uh-huh. oh, here's some cool, you know, think yeah. about living this way, you know, live your life this way. But there is um, a very intentional distinction between advice for your life and good news. And good news is something, something is different now. Something has changed. Advice is like, you know, here's a thought, move forward, whatever, take it or leave it. You know, it's, you know, it's an idea. Um, but good news is an announcement. It is some, from this point forward, something is different and we should read everything that Jesus says through that lens, right? This is good news. This is different. Now I am giving you the, the world, the world has changed. The kingdom has come and this is how we can, we can see it. Because it's different. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I no, love that, that distinction. Because that reorders everything that you see. Right. I think, yeah, I think I like that a lot because you're talking about advice. Advice is like a, a little snippet of of information that tells you, you know, maybe gives you some some a good way to go in a certain particular situation. Whereas you're right, the good news is something that that radically changes the way you see how all of the little moments of your life come together. Yeah. So it, it should change, you know, if if we're able to die to ourselves, right, and put my pride and put myself up on the cross with Jesus Christ, and and truly now hand over my will to God, um, and now begin to see the world through the eyes of Jesus rather than through my own eyes. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Then, then all these pieces start to fit together in ways that um, maybe don't make sense at first, but that that allow me to respond to the world in ways that Jesus did. Yeah. So that I'm not always, I don't feel like I always have to rush into every situation and try to fix it. I don't always have to. Mm. Um, it's not my responsibility to make sure that history turns out right. 
Yeah. It's not my responsibility to make sure that this this situation, uh, whatever that situation might be, whether it's on the political stage here in the United States or whether it's on the global stage somewhere else, uh, whether or whether it's just in my own house. It's not my responsibility to make sure that thing turns out right. What's my responsibility is to be faithful to what Jesus has called me to do. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is this meekness that he's talking about here. Yeah, yeah. I think we can read we can read these beatitudes like that, right? So we can we can read them as like, oh, you know, we talked about this in the beginning. You know, advice, blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, you should be you should know consider yeah. this. You should yeah. be poor in spirit. Yeah. You know, blessed are those who mourn. You know, consider this. It's good life advice. Move forward this way. You know, here's something to think about. Blessed are the meek. Oh, here you go. You know, we can read it like that or we can read it as good news. So from this point forward, you know, I am telling you that if you are poor in spirit, if you practice these things, if you become, if, if you mourn, if you become meek, then this is how God's kingdom is here. Yeah. This is how you will see God's kingdom. Yeah, this good. is how it will be here on earth if you do these things. And it's not its not advice. It is not, advice. not a thought. It is not a sermon. It is a statement. It is good news. It is something that has changed. Jesus spoke these words, and now the world is different. And if we believe in Jesus, and if we believe that the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our lives, then we can believe that this is true. Yeah. If you are uh, meek, you will inherit the earth. That is... Um, and that's something about these Beatitudes, the, the way that we're reading them, the way that we're talking about them during this season uh, is to read them not as descriptors. They're not describing something, uh, which is, I think, how most people read yeah. them, right? I've heard a lot of people read them as, as the, here's a description of what a disciple looks like, or here's a description of what Jesus looks like, or here's a description of what the kingdom looks like. All that, okay, and, and there's, that's, not, that's not untrue. Right. But they're not descriptive as much as they are prescriptive. Yeah. Like, Jesus is giving us uh, a command, but I like, I like putting that in terms of this is what it means to follow and believe in the good news, right? Yeah. This is what it means to actually believe the stuff that we say we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we act in ways that are not meek, when we try to take things on ourselves and act by our own will or get offended because of something that was done or said to us, when we feel like that we are the ones who are responsible to control and have power uh, or have strength in any situation, whether it be personal or whether it be national or international or mm-hmm. political or social, whatever it is, then we are basically saying we don't believe in the good news. Right. We're working actively working against God. We are. And that's helpful for me to think about it that way. Like, if you are not doing these things, if you are being any other way than this, you are actively working against God. I mean, God's going to get what God wants to get done no matter what. Yeah. But you can choose to be God's hands and feet or you can choose to be your own hands and feet. Yeah. Right. And so if we are not doing these things, then you're not helping God. And it's such a hard thing for us to do because I think. Yeah. This is really hard. <laughs> This is one of the places where something like uh, pride shows back up. And I was telling the people in Sunday school yesterday that this is this is a great moment for um, for pride to, to to sneak back into the process because even in surrendering and mourning, uh, as we've done in the first two steps, now we can almost take pride in ourselves for doing that. I, I've been in that situation mm. before where I've been like, "Wow, look how selfless I was, man! Good job, oh, yeah. James. Good job, right? Yeah. Oh, you confessed your sins, aren't?" Don't you feel better? That's such a great job, right? Not that there's anything wrong with feeling comforted, obviously, in those moments. But yeah. but when we begin to think that we can do any of this by mm-hmm. our own power or will, 
we've already started to put cracks in the foundation. And yeah. I think that's that's an important thing to keep in mind here. Bill added, um, when in his sermon, he added a, a fourth thing to his list of three things of what he was talking about, um, the definition of meek. He was referencing, and I forget the name now, um, of a book or someone, a speaker he was referencing, but he added a fourth thing, and he was talking about like um, meek as being kind to yourself or how we think about ourselves yeah. or how we think mm. about things and um like what is the message that is playing in our own mind yeah. this is not exactly what he was saying but it reminded me of something my therapist said to me once um she uh, i was talking about you know like kind of that repetitive message that goes on in my head and i think this can often be pride for us right yeah. um yeah. it can be that self-aggrandizing um tape that plays right so her what she said to me was which tape is in the deck yes and so this, right, so this idea that we, you know, we have all these lovely tapes that we collect and, you know, some of them are messages of, you know, self-deprecation, some of them are messages of self-aggrandization, right, that we can be all different things and we get these tapes stuck in our deck yeah. and they play over and over, over again and, over. and it's really hard to turn them off. Yeah. And so if we can think about these messages, these things that we say to ourselves in our head as something that we have control over, yeah. I can take out that tape, right? Okay, look at me. I'm being, I'm being a little bit prideful right now because I'm going over and over again about how great I did or how this other person didn't do this thing. And well, I did all this, you know, um, you know, look at me, stop. That's a tape. That's a tape that's in your deck. You need to take that tape out <laughs> and you yeah. need to put God's tape in there because you know, whatever you got to do, you know, to change that tape. Yeah. You know, for our younger listeners out there, uh, a, a cassette tape is this, oh, is this geez. old school way of listening to audio. Uh, for the, for those of you, uh, you know, of my generation, uh, <laughs> you remember what those are, but, uh, for our younger hey, listeners, them too. okay. All right. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for our younger listeners, you know, it's what Spotify track are you listening to? <laughs> oh, man. But that, you know, that's a good, that's a great, uh, that's a great thought. And I like the idea of that tape. And, and this is one of the power, one of the, one of the, one of the reasons why I, I now love that I was kind of forced to memorize so much scripture as a child, mm. because those are all tapes that are in my head oh, that's brilliant. that I can pull out and be like, okay. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You right. Know? Uh, and I can play that tape. And this goes back to the importance of all these practices that we've been talking about, right? Because, you know, it, we get so stuck in our own tapes, right? So, like, that's, that's a great point. Like, every time we read scripture, every time we pray, every time we, you know, choose, I don't even, you know, like, a theologically based podcast over, you know, like something of the world, right? That we could listen to, right? And it's not those things are bad. Just like our listeners today. Thank you for choosing right. to listen. Thank you for choosing us, right? But like, then we can create new tapes in our head. We create new messages. We put, we're putting godly things in our brain. And we need that. Yeah, we do. We need it because our brain goes to all these terrible places. Like, I feel like I'm constantly like chasing my brain down and trying to get it back from wherever dark hole it's in. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. It's exhausting. Exactly. We need help. <laughs> and one of those, one of those, so, you know, uh, expand your playlist. Uh, is oh, a good way go. to talk about yeah. it, right? The millennials will understand that. The millennials will understand that. Maybe the Gen Zers out there. Who, I know we got a lot of Gen Z listeners out there. <laughs> One of the tapes that keep keeps coming back to my life, and I think probably to most of of our of probably your life and most people's lives, is that tape of pride. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, it's you know, <laughs> I don't want to stress the metaphor too hard, but you know, even the deck itself is is just laced with pride. Yeah. So so 
think that's the autoplay, right? Like, that's the like autoplay the elevator is pride. music yeah. that kicks in when nothing's in there, right? That's, that's, that's good. I like that. Uh, C.S. Lewis called pride spiritual cancer. Ooh. Something that kind of roots itself in us and it's hard and hard to get rid of it. It's something that we're going to struggle with, mm-hmm. you know, our, our entire lives. It's why we have to be vigilant as as disciples of Jesus Christ. And when I think of pride, I think of, of I think what it comes down to. And I think Paul would agree with me on this. Uh, I hope so. This is where I got it from. Uh, and I know Jesus would. Uh, is It comes down to our will. It, the will. Uh, what we will. Right? What, what we what we want to enact, what we want to desire, what we want to move, the direction we want to move in, what we want to see happen uh, <clears throat> in our lives as well as in the world. A lot of times we confuse our will with God's will, but mm-hmm. the whole reason why we had to start this process by dying to ourselves, by emptying ourselves, was so that we could lay down our will yeah. and take on the will of God. The will of God, you know, we sometimes... Sometimes we find the will of God to be something that's hard to see, hard to know, hard to understand. Um, but I think it's a lot easier than we actually want it to be. I think what happens is our will gets in the way of that. Mm-hmm. The perfect example of what I'm talking about, um, as far as, as laying down our will and taking up the will of God, we see it in the cross, right? We see it in Jesus Christ, but we see it before that. In, one, in, in a moment that I think we too often read over and don't really focus on what it means. Um, we want to jump straight to the cross so we can get to the resurrection so that we can mm-hmm. move on with the rest of the year, right? Uh, but it's the moment where Jesus is kneeling and praying in Gethsemane, in, in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. And his disciples keep falling asleep on him, and he is praying, and he prays three times, you know, basically saying, God, if there's Please. any other way, if there's any other way, let's do that. Right. He's expressing his will. Jesus is expressing what he would will, what he wills, um, what he wants. And it's not to do the cross thing. Right. It's not to get beat up and to get arrested and to get crucified uh, and to die. It it is it is to do something else like anything else. He'll do anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. But he ends that prayer each time by saying, but not my will be done. Your will be done. And that's a fascinating conversation that's happening there in the garden between Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and God. And the fact that that conversation can even happen is a theological mystery. But that's the moment where Jesus decides he is going to be faithful. Yeah. And after that, there's no going back. That's the moment where he could have said, you know what? My disciples aren't with me on this. Nobody else is with me on this. You're the only one who wants me to do this, God, right? And I think I'm going to figure out something else. I'm going to do something else. Peace. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm going to I'm going to go out. get ice cream. <laughs> Not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, he shows us exactly what it means to be meek, yeah. which I think ultimately is about submitting our will to God's will. That's yeah. what it means to be meek. That's what it means to embody this meekness that Jesus has. Not my will, but your will. I mean, that gives me so much hope, you know, I mean, we hold Jesus on this pedestal as like the perfect human, but, um, you know, I can never attain that. But here, here we see like our Lord and savior, right. He's going through this process, you know, he's struggling through this. He's, you know, it's It's a struggle for him too. It's a, right. And that's the thing, like you say, it's not a one and done. He prays three times, three times. And I think in the, if you look at the nuance in that scripture, you can see the small changes in, you know, the attitude in the, you know, the actions of Jesus, you know, it, it changes and he, you know, he, he lays it down, he lays down his will and 
and then he moves forward. And I think that's something that he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I, because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, I think it's something that we also can do. Oh, yeah. And that's the yeah. that's one of the things that we oftentimes forget, that Jesus doesn't do anything without the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. And that's the same, the same for us. When mm-hmm. we say we can't be like Jesus, when we say we can't be Christian, mature Christians and do and act faithfully all the time, what we're saying is, I'm going to do my own will. I'm going to do what I want right. to do. Uh, and I'm not going to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse me of that and to and to begin to sanctify my own will and to align it with God's will. And, and you talked about practices before, but this is why we have in the Lord's Prayer what I think is the parallel to this particular be- beatitude is uh, your kingdom come, right? We talked about last week, your will be done Yours, on not earth mine. as it is in heaven. And it's not an accident. In my mind, it's not an accident. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Oh, yeah. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is that done? It's done by those who inherit the earth, the meek, the disciples of Jesus Christ, truly submitting themselves to God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We've been talking about meekness in terms of of handing over our will to God's will and and this idea of self-sacrifice as we see embodied in Jesus Christ. And as I think we also see in Paul, one of my favorite passages to go to, uh, and I've I've gone to this passage a lot recently over the past couple of years, but I think it's it's speaking to me and hopefully speaking to the church, but um, it's one that that I'm going to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, because I think it, it... it speaks exactly to this this uh, topic of meekness. What does it look like? What does it look like to be meek? It looks like submitting our wills to God, to God's will. Well, how do we know what God's will is? Well, it turns out it's by being meek. So uh, he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, Mm. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God's will is. You have to offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. You have to become meek. You have to be poor in spirit, poor in self. You want to know what God's will is. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to take on this gospel lens that we've been talking about, right? And Mm -hmm. see the world through that lens rather than being conformed to the patterns of this world. The patterns of this world will tell you that strength, power are the way that you change things, you make things happen. God's good news is telling us actually it's through surrender and weakness and meekness. It's through this, uh, it's, it's through submitting your will rather than imposing your will. Mm. And that is a, that's a a hard message for us to hear. And I want to, again, I want to, to reiterate that this is something that we do together. It's not something that we can even do on our own individually. It has to be done as a church. Yeah. I mean, the patterns of this world are very strong and that goes back to that morning piece, you know, like every time we buck up against what culture and the world wants us to do that's it's gonna it's gonna probably create some mourning you know it's hard well, it's very difficult it is and and one of the patterns of this world that that i see playing out a lot 
in my own life as well as in the lives of others is this sense of entitlement that we have been given. And this idea that this idea that we are entitled to certain things rather than the fact that everything is a gift. Right. Well, and the more that we feel entitled to something, the more we think about it and the more we hold on to it. And the more we're we offended when it's it. taken from us. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. If we would shift our thinking to thinking about everything we have is a gift from God, every breath I take is a gift from God, rather than feeling entitled, we would feel gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that would, that would be one way to completely change the way that we think about the world. Um, and we would be less offended. And that would be a good first step towards seeing the church as a collection of meek disciples who don't have to worry about how things turn out. That, and that is not to say that we're not called to action, right? I think that it's not to say that we're not supposed to be upset and distraught by things that we see in the world. It just means that we need to remember that it's not us who is going to change yeah. people's hearts and minds. It's not us who are going to change or or make sure the history turns out okay. Our job is to love. Our job, job is to be meek. Is to be Our faithful. job is to be yes. faithful. Our job is to be peaceful. And God, God will do the work. God will change the thing. God will make it right. God will bring the kingdom. It's one of my favorite things I think that Mother Teresa said um, when somebody asked her how effective her ministry is in Calcutta. Um, and she said, well, my job is not to be effective, it's to be faithful and let God worry about how it turns out. And that's something people wonder, like, this is, this gets to the heart of one of my core beliefs about the church and about the good news is a lot of times people ask me and people have asked throughout the ages, and why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Why, why are we still here? It's been 2000 years. And obviously the people in the scriptures and in the new Testament thought that Jesus was coming back like next week. And we, here we are 2000 years later, what's going on. And I think one of the reasons why we're still here is because we as a church have failed to be faithful. In other words, like we're trying to hard to be effective. We're trying to be effective and, and, and we're not allowing God to, to, you know, do God's will. Now God does that anyway, but God is looking well, yeah. for partners, right? God is looking for a partner in building the kingdom. Is the difference between looking at the world and saying, what can I do to fix this versus going to God first and saying, how do you want me to what help do you? you? Want me to do? What do you want me to yeah. do? And it may not seem effective in our own life. And that's, and that's another thing that, um, another thing that we often get sidetracked by is that we think that my life the life of James Johnson needs to be looked at and seen as of being effective. It needs to have done and produced something, right? Very capitalistic kind of way of thinking about the world. Rather than maybe my life is only a, a seed yeah. for some other plant to grow some other time. Uh, and, and, and maybe the life of Northside Church is the same way. Maybe, you know, an entire age or generation of people are nothing but seeds and they see nothing effective happen. The question isn't, you know, are we effective? The question is, are we faithful? That's one of the big questions that we wrestle with when we wrestle with being meek, because it it seems as though meek people don't, you know, you could, you could say that, you know, in, in the world's eyes, a collection of people who are meek or a a question of a, a collection of people who are enduring injury, right? With patience and not becoming resentful or not acting out, you could say, well, those people don't have any concern for the, how, well, that's, I mean, that's our, that's our picture of ineffectiveness, right? Exactly. Not, right. I mean, that's what the world says. You're ineffective and, you know, we need to be efficient. We need to be effective. We need to, you know. Need to produce. Right. And that is a pattern of this world yeah. that we have to shake off. 
if we're truly going to be the church that we're called to be. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for joining us this week, and we'll talk to you next week.